Thank you, Rick. Nancy. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We quoted from this this morning and looked at some things. I want to revisit this passage of Scripture and look at the whole chapter uh, and make some notes. There's no way to look at it that this is an exhaustive uh, study of this passage simply because there's too much here to cover in one uh, service, but I want to look at some things about this and then wrap it up with, of course, why this agape love, true love, is so important. Uh, And we'll begin, of course, in verse 1 of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Would you stand as the scriptures read, please? Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I have become a sounding brass or clanging cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, though I have a faith so I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, and I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know even as I also am known. And now abide faith, hope, and love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word and thank you for teaching about your kind of love in our life. Help us to see the value of it. And Father, we ask that it would have its work in our lives so our lives can make a difference for you in the community where we live. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, this morning we spoke and observed the supremacy of true love, which is agape love, which is that godly, self-sacrificing love. It surpasses brotherly love. It surpasses romantic love. And its value surpasses wealth, possessions, abilities, achievements, prestige, popularity, or any other thing that we may want to acquire in life. Its value surpasses any and all of this all put together. And much of its value comes from what it can accomplish in the lives of those who choose to love. Remember, when it comes to the agape love, this is how God instructed us to love others. So that means we have a choice as to whether this kind of love is going to be included in our life. It's whether this is going to be our principle to live by. So we want to look at what the accomplishment could be in our life. And 
that is seen in what this kind of love is like. And we want to go through these, and we won't go into an exhaustive study of this list, but want to do this to sum it up with a, a main point. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. It does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It does not provoke. It thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. That is the description of what this agape love is all about. Let us look at some things about what this love is. It suffers long, uh, and that means it is patient. Some English translation, it says it's patient. As we mentioned Wednesday night, there are two words for patience. This is that word, which is makrothumeo, which means it is long-tempered. Long-tempered. It can put up with a lot. It's quite interesting, right after this, Love is patient and is kind. Kindness is a result of patience in our hearts. Because I mentioned Wednesday night, and I believe this is a good time to bring it up, and it's interesting these two are paired uh, uh, together. Impatience in our life will evoke two predominant emotions. The first one, irritability. When we're impatient, Irritability will, will be the dominant result. That or, when we're impatient and the, the things that we want to happen do not happen fast enough, especially when it comes to the results of ministry, we can become discouraged. In irritability or discouragement. We're impatient. We're impatient. We think things ought to be happening faster and, and our efforts ought to be paying off. In both of these... Emotions can negatively influence our responses to others. I mean, we know irritability can, but discouragement can. And these are the two predominant emotions of impatience. So when love is patient, it immediately follows that love is kind. It does not envy. And we know what envy is. Envy, of course, is wanting what somebody else wants. Paul said it in a different way says, you know, we should rejoice with those who rejoice instead of being envied. Does not parade itself or vault itself, and uh, that, of course, has to do with uh, uh, the opposite of envy. You see, envy is I don't have that. I'm unhappy because I, I don't have that. Boasting is kind of this. I have that and you don't. And, and that's it's, it, None of that's loving, is it? So we realize that boasting and puffing ourselves up, uh, and it says it is uh, not rude, is not, uh, excuse me, it is not proud, it's not conceited, it's not arrogant. What's the problem with being proud and arrogant? Well, being proud and arrogant, we have a tendency to belittle others. In other words, if I'm arrogant and I'm proud, I feel better when I make other people feel smaller or I make them appear smaller in my viewpoint. So arrogance is, is of course, a, uh, an unloving, an unloving uh, characteristic uh, opposite of, of uh, agape. And it says it is not rude. 
It is not rude. Uh, before that, it, it, it says it is not provoked. It is not provoked. Uh, the word provoked here we might think is being irritable, but maybe we need to think it's not easily offended. It, it doesn't have a chip on its shoulder. Because sometimes other people are unloving, aren't they? And sometimes they can uh, offend us, sometimes on purpose, sometimes not on purpose. We just get offended. It's quite interesting. I was reading along this, this same line here, and it says, William Carey, if you don't know the name, William Carey is known the father of modern missions efforts. Uh, William Carey went to India as a missionary back in the 1800s. He was one of the first ones who dared to go over. In fact, I think it was William Carey that he was talking about his burden to win souls and to go to the mission field. And he was at a Baptist convention meeting. This is back in the 1800s. And somebody stood up and said, my dear sir, if God wants to win those people over there, he'll just be glad to do it without our help and pretty much shut him down. But he went anyway. William Carey was a brilliant man when it came to languages. He did have the gift of tongues. William Carey translated sections of the Bible into 34 different Indian dialects. Indian as in over in India. India is a complex country. And there were many dialects, and he brilliantly translated the Bible from English into these 34 different dialects. So he was a man of quite intellect, quite an ability. Well, he was at a, a conference in India, and somehow the people over there just treated him with utmost contempt. You see, before William Carey began his missionary work, he worked as a cobbler. He repaired shoes. Well, somebody in the elite circles of the society at that time wanted to snub him, and they said, Mr. Carey, uh, I understand that you worked simply making shoes. Now, that was meant to be an insult, that here he was just a little shoemaker, and he said, no, I was only a cobbler. I didn't even make the shoes. I just repaired them. Wow. There was, there was absolutely no arrogance there. He was not easily offended. He just corrected the man. I wasn't even that. And, of course, does not, it is not rude. I like what, uh, I think this is uh, Origen. Now, if you don't know Origen, he was a, a, an old church father way back in the early days of Christianity. And he said, true love does not behave charmlessly. In other words, when we're really loving, we will behave with charm and politeness. In verse 5, it says, it does not seek its own, it does not provoke, it thinks no evil, and does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices with the truth. It thinks no evil and does not rejoice in iniquity. You have to look at that and say, well, of course, anybody that's Christian would not rejoice in iniquity. Anybody with a Christian as a Christian should not think any evil. But, but let's look at how you can put those together. It thinks no evil and does not uh, rejoice in iniquity. That could be 
that could be our attitude toward others. It thinks no evil. In other words, you're not always looking for the worst in somebody. You're not always cynical. You're not always suspicious. And it says, does not rejoice in iniquity. It, it's not glad to run with the last little piece of negative gossip about somebody. It doesn't rejoice in the iniquity that I've heard about somebody. Oh, you won't believe what I heard. Can you see where this could be? The agape of love is you're not going to always think evil or look for the worst or suspect the worst. And you're not going to rejoice when you hear of iniquity. But it says you always rejoice with the truth. And then it says this in verse 7. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Now, you can go through the, the different list of that, but let me just sum all that up with this. It has an overall optimistic outlook. Can't you read that and say that? You can sum that up. That We have an overall optimistic outlook. When you look at the, there's hope, there's belief, there's endurance, you have an optimistic outlook. That is what it does in our life. Now, here's some things about all of this that we want to kind of do a wrap-up here. Uh, you remember this morning we said the love of God is poured out into our heart. <clears throat> this is the love of God, and this is agape love. So if God pours this into my heart, isn't that going to shape me into this? And so we could substitute our name in front of all of these characteristics. Because if this is in my heart, this is who I am, right? God pours it into my heart. And as I mentioned this morning, this is possible through God because God floods our heart with that. Now, when God floods my heart with this, I mean, you look at being patient and kind and overall optimistic outlook, don't you think, even if we're not intending to, we will have a positive influence on those around us? We think of agape love as we're intentionally, deliberately doing something good for that person. But you have to understand, if all this is in my heart, then everyone around me benefits from it, even if I'm not intentionally trying to help them out. Because when you look at patience and kindness and behaving with charm and a, a humble attitude and not easily offended and all of these things, that's what people encounter when they encounter us. So we realize agape love, we choose to love like this. But when we choose to love like this, it will remake our lives into something in altogether different shape. Now, when you think about all of these things, who does this sound like? Sounds like Jesus, doesn't it? Which brings me to the final thing that, that agape love will do, true love will do in our lives, and that is in John chapter 13, verse 34.
John chapter 13, verse 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. There's that instruction again. By this, all will know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. So we go back to chapter 13, verse Corinthians. All these aspects of true love, of agape love, that stack up in our life. When they stack up in our life, and that's the way we are, that's the way we live, that's what we have become. All these aspects of agape love in that little short section of 1 Corinthians 13, it leaves no doubt to people around us who we're following. He says, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. And that, I guess, if we wanted to put it in modern-day marketing schemes, that's our trademark. Not a slogan, not a motto, not a T-shirt, not a bumper sticker. How are people going to know that we're following Jesus Christ if we have love one for another? That removes all doubt as to who we're following. So agape love, true love, is important. If we're going to let people know who we belong to, this has to be a reality in our life. How's it a reality? Well, we choose to follow the instructions. Is there anything before we close? If not, let's stand and be dismissed with a word of prayer.